you be turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Sometimes we need a refresher course, don't we? We need to be reminded of some very basic things. And last week we focused on the theme, the subject of prayer. We're going to continue that theme this morning. Last week we talked about the inspiration to pray. I encouraged you to pray. Tried to get you fired up about praying by reminding you that we serve a God who welcomes our prayers. We serve a God who answers our prayers. And we serve a God who blesses us through our prayers. And I hope that this week, this past week, has been a week filled with prayer for you. Well, today's message is more of a nuts and bolts message. I want to give you some practical help when it comes to your prayer life. And I hope you will get involved. And uh, join us as we really, really knuckle down and focus on moving forward in prayer here at Red Hill Baptist Church. You know, one of the great ways to learn to pray is to get with someone who knows how to pray and simply listen to them pray and observe uh, what they're saying and how they're praying to learn by example. We're going to do that this morning. We're going to listen to and learn from the greatest prayer Uh, In all the world, uh, the one who prayed the greatest prayers, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at a very sacred passage of Scripture. It's a passage that I never come to without amazement and wonder as we see our Lord in his earthly ministry as he's praying in the garden. Ivor Powell said this is probably the Bible's greatest portrait of prayer. The Bible's greatest portrait of prayer. He said, if only the followers of Christ would emulate the master's example, revival would begin immediately. Let me set the stage for what's going on. The Lord Jesus here is praying there as he's about to face the cross. And he is surrendering himself to God's will. And the thought of taking upon his sinless person, the sin of humanity... As Wiersbe said, he's not wrestling with God's will and he's not resisting God's will. He's yielding himself to God's will here. Thy will be done as he's facing the cross. Not only, of course, the human pain and suffering, but I think even greater God himself taking upon himself sin. He who knew no sin becoming sin for us. And he's wrestling here in the garden. And I want to read there, beginning at verse 36, if you follow along as I read. It says in Matthew 26, 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. 
And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We're going to look at this passage from possibly a different angle today than you're accustomed to. We're going to seek to learn some prayer lessons and look at how the Lord Jesus prayed. And we're calling this lesson, this sermon, basically Prayer 101. We're getting back to some basic things here today and and some very practical things. But before we jump into the passage itself, I think it would be helpful for us to spend a few moments for you to take a personal inventory and figure out why you're not praying as you are. Now, hopefully you are, but if you're not, I want you to take just a few moments and take a personal inventory. And I want to give you about six things here that you can consider in your own life if perhaps your prayer life is not what it ought to be. Maybe... You feel like you don't know how to pray. That's why you don't pray as you all. You don't feel like you know how to pray. Perhaps you're a new believer. Perhaps you think you have to have eloquent and fancy words. Uh, Perhaps you feel you, you just don't know the Bible well enough. Or for whatever reason, you don't have the knowledge and the skill. You don't know how to pray. Maybe others would say, well, in all honesty... I feel too unworthy to pray. I mean, who am I to speak to the Lord of the universe, my creator? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Why should I be allowed the privilege to talk to God Almighty? And so you feel too unworthy to pray. Maybe, in all honesty, you're too proud to pray. Now, you wouldn't verbalize that. You wouldn't say that out loud and be so blunt and plain. But it's true. Pride keeps you from praying. You want to figure things out for yourself. You feel like you're too smart. You're too resourceful to humble yourself. Bow your head. Close your eyes and ask the Lord for help. Pride keeps you off your knees. Maybe for others, if you're honest, you say you don't believe that prayer makes a difference. And so for you, the issue is unbelief. Perhaps it stems from some prayer that you offered years ago. And that prayer went unanswered, or at least it was not answered the way that you wanted it to be answered. And so you kind of gave up on prayer and said, well, what's the use? It doesn't make any difference. And so unbelief keeps you from praying. For others, perhaps there's unconfessed sin in your life. And therefore, your fellowship with the Lord is hindered that Sweet fellowship you once enjoyed is not there anymore. And that sin has played havoc with your prayer life. And you're not praying because there's sin in your life. And then for others, maybe you just say this morning, well, preacher, if I were honest, I don't have time to pray. Now, if none of the other things got you, for a lot of people, this might be the very issue. You're just too busy to pray. Now, maybe you're active in church, you're active everywhere else, but you just cannot, it seems, take that time to step away from all that activity, to settle yourself down, to sit down and cry out to the Lord. And so, in all honesty, you're just too busy to pray. You don't have the time to pray. Now, I want you to notice that I resisted 
the urge to preach on each one of those six things. Because we could have spent some time on each one. But I just want to get them out on the table this morning. I just want to get them out front. Let's be honest about it. So you be honest with yourself. What is it that keeps you from praying as you ought? Now, there may be other reasons. But I thought that those were some of the main ones that people struggle with. And so be honest. Did you spot yourself in any of those issues? Did you spot yourself on that list? What is it that's really keeping you from living a life of prayer? Let me just go back to them real quickly and touch on them. If you don't know how to pray, if that's the issue for you, stay tuned. Listen, don't fall asleep. Because we'll give you some things that will help you in your prayer life, God willing, in just a moment. Now, if you feel too unworthy to pray, you say, well, who am I to pray? Listen, beloved, as a Christian, you're a child of the king. And by the way, none of us are worthy. But he invites us to come anyway. We're not worthy of ourselves. But Christ has opened up the pathway. We can come to God the Father through him. Now, I'm just going to be blunt with you. If you're too proud to pray, you need to repent of that. You need to acknowledge your need and start praying. If it's pride hindering you, if you don't believe that prayer makes a difference, you need to spend some time talking with some other folks here today who can tell you, listen, prayer makes a big difference and ask them how God has helped them. You need to get into the word of God and see how God answered prayer and God worked through prayer. And you need to talk to the Lord about your unbelief. You can start praying right there and say, Lord, I don't believe that that this prayer thing really makes. But I want to believe. Help thou my unbelief and take that to the Lord. Now, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, and that's playing havoc with your prayer life, beloved, confess it. Repent of it. Forsake it. Get right with the Lord. And move on with Him. And then if you don't have time to pray, you need to make some changes in your schedule. You need to make some changes in your time management. You need to make some changes in your to-do list. By the way, did you realize that even preachers struggle with that? I can spend every waking moment of my life actively serving and fill them all in Jesus name. But even preachers and those in full time ministry have to be careful not to allow the busyness of even serving God take the place of fellowshipping with God. Now, those are some things that we face. And so now that we've got those on the table, we're honest about those. We're dealing with those things. I wanted you to look at the prayer life of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to learn some prayer lessons here today. This most sacred passage. Prayer 101. Are you ready? You got something to write with? You want to take a few notes? You're ready to go? Prayer 101. As we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, I want to point out to you, first of all, I think it helps to have a place to pray. It helps to have a place to pray. I want you to go back in the passage and look at verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. You say, well, so what? I want you to listen to what John 18, 1 and 2 have to say. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Sidron, where there was a garden into which he entered in his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. You know why he knew it? Because the Bible says, For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. This was a place that Jesus was often found. I think not only teaching and training the disciples, but I think also resorting there to pray. It was a place where Jesus spent time in prayer. And beloved, it helps 
to have a place of prayer. Now, listen, we know we can pray anywhere and everywhere all throughout the day. We can be praying, but sometimes it's helpful to have a place where we regularly go and commune with the Lord and read his word and fellowship with him. For some of you, that may be, depending upon your circumstances, all kinds of different places. I, I think it needs to be accessible. You need to be able to get to it. It's nice to go to the mountains, up on the mountain somewhere, but uh, that's not always practical. It's nice to go sit by the ocean and watch the waves roll in. And that's good. But it's not always practical, at least where we live. Now, if you want to get in a cow pasture, bless God, you're in set. You're ready to go. <laughs> But it needs to be accessible. And I think it needs to be quiet. That is, you're not interrupted. And it needs to be a place where you can go and privately pray. For you, it might be your office. It might be the kitchen table. It might be a bedroom. It might be a living room. It might be your garage. It might be a field. It might be a warehouse. It might be the cow pasture. It might be the woods. It might be your car. You may have to hide from your family in the basement. I don't know. But find a place where you can go. And spend time with the Lord. Some uninterrupted time. That means you leave yourself on behind. Amen. You leave it behind. Now listen. This idea about a place to pray is not a legalistic rule. It's not something you have to do. But it's a helpful thing. As you get alone with the Lord. I'm not going to tell you where my place is because you'll bother me. I don't want you to know where my place is. The Lord Jesus spoke about this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. You've got to get alone sometime with the Lord. Maybe you're going to have to hide from somebody for a little bit. You know, um, as I think about it. John Wesley's mother, her, his, her name escapes me all of a sudden, but, you know, they had 19 children, uh, if I remember correctly. And I remember reading in her life that what she did when she wanted to have her time with the Lord. By the way, if you had 19 children, you have a television show today, but not back then. So she would, uh, she would basically sit at the kitchen table and she'd pull her apron above her head and her kids knew that, that was time that mom was spending with the Lord. Whatever you have to do, you need a place to pray. To get along with the Lord. It's a helpful thing. Pray all throughout the day. Pray everywhere. But it really is helpful, I think, to have a place to go and commune with the Lord. Number two, it helps to have others praying for you and with you. It helps to have others praying for you and with you. That's what's going on here. The Lord Jesus here, he goes and he says in verse 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, James and John. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, there are times where you pray alone. And there are times where you need to enlist other people to pray with you and pray for you. And Jesus turns to Peter, James and John and he says, watch with me. And we know, of course, he had the idea to pray, right? He says, watch and pray. Now, man, we need to take a lesson here. Look, look at what it says in verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now, I'm going to speak to us men for a moment. Ladies, you may be guilty of it as well, but men, we really are. We don't like to admit weakness. We don't like to admit a, a need and show any kind of weakness. We can sever a limb and be laying there. And are you all right? I, I'm fine. Just hand me my arm over there. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. 
It's just a scratch. Well, we don't want to admit that weakness and that need. But the Lord Jesus here, he says what? He says, I am I am exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Brethren, we need help. And there are times where we need the ministry of our brothers and sisters in Christ and admitting that need and asking for it. All of us should be more than ready to come alongside another person and pray for them. And allow them to support us in prayer and likewise support them in prayer when they request it. Let's not be like these men. Jesus says, would you watch with me? And of course, you read it with me this morning. What happened? They fell asleep. And he comes to watch you pray. They fell asleep. And he comes again. They're sleeping. How often are we like that? Watch and pray. It helps to have a place to pray. It helps to have others praying for you and praying with you. There's a third thought here this morning, and that's this. It helps to just get started. Just pray. Just pray. You see, it's not enough just to have a place to pray. Say, oh, look at my place of prayer. It's gorgeous. I got got a nice leather chair there, and I've got oh a nice side table, and I've got my big study Bible. I've got all these things. You can have a place to pray all day long, but that doesn't help your prayer life if you don't use it, does it? It's great to have other people praying for you and glory to God. That's one of the greatest gifts you can give. But listen, you've got to pray yourself. Just get started. Look at verse 39. Jesus, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. Now, what a privilege it is to get alone with God. And as Jesus prays here, as he pours out his heart to the Father, we notice that his prayer was marked by honesty. It was marked by perseverance. He prayed repeatedly and it was marked by submission. Not my will, but thy will be done. And sometimes the greatest thing you need to do for your prayer life is just start praying. Just getting started is a great victory. Did you know that? Because you know, it's so easy to get distracted. Let's be honest about it. I'm going to spend some time praying. The phone rings. I'm going to spend some time praying. Even the text messages here. The emails here. The doorbell goes off. The baby starts crying. Whatever it is. Just start praying. Start praying. The Lord is in a time of trouble in this life. He's about to take upon himself the sin of the whole world. The one who knew no sin becoming sin for us. He's also going to suffer and die a horrendous death. And in that time, he does what he turns to prayer. He turns to some friends and says, listen, would you watch him pray with me? Watch him pray. And he goes and he says, oh, my father. And he cries out to the father and he prays with honesty and perseverance and submission. It helps you just get started. Just pray. Just pray. Now, I want to spend a few more minutes with you here and then we're done. I want to give you some tips For your prayer life. And we're going to draw some from here. And we'll give you some some general things. Some practical prayer lessons. Some things you can use beginning today. We already talked about it. It helps to have a place of prayer. It helps to have others praying with you and for you. It helps to just get started. Just just, just pray. Just start praying. But there's a couple more things. We learn from Jesus' prayer here. That number one, we must be concerned with God's will. We must be concerned with God's will. We see that clearly here. He says in this passage, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
He says in verse 42, your will be done. He says in verse 44, he prayed with those same words. In our prayer life, we must be concerned with the will of God, even if that means hardship for us. Now, that's a troubling thought, isn't it? Sometimes the will of God may mean hardship for us. You think it was easy to go to the cross? You think it was easy to suffer and die? You think it was easy for that one of those first deacons named Stephen to stand and preach and then be stoned? You think it's easy for those martyrs that are suffering? I think today is the the day to remember those who are persecuted believers. And I hope you will pray for those, brothers and sisters. You think it's easy in the will of God to see them beaten and harmed and, and hurt and families destroyed and people martyred? And all this goes on under the eye of God Almighty. We don't understand all that. We don't understand why these things happen. But we're to be concerned with God's will and God's glory in our prayer life. I have a book in my library called Praying Backwards. And the whole premise is the fact that we're to pray in Jesus' name. It's the idea of putting that first in your praying. Not necessarily literally, but to remember that when you pray, you should be praying only prayers that Jesus could sign His name to. That's what you're saying when you say, in Jesus' name. You're saying, listen, I'm praying these things, and I'm saying that Jesus is going to sign His name to them. And so you put that first in your thinking. I want to pray prayers that Jesus can say, yes, Father, I agree to that. Yes, I'll sign the dotted line. Yes, I'm going to say, yes, that can be prayed in my name. Those types of prayers are prayed within the will of God. We must be concerned with the will of God. Secondly, the question comes up. Well, how should we pray concerning our posture? I mean, do we... Stand, sit, kneel. Well, look at what it says in verse 39. It says, Jesus went a little farther and fell on his face. Now, in the Bible, people prayed standing. They prayed sitting. They prayed kneeling. They prayed looking upward. They prayed bowing down. They fell on their face and prayed. So what are we learning from that? We're learning this. There's no particular specific posture you must take. In all reality, I believe it's more of an inward attitude. You know why? Because some people can't get out of a wheelchair. Some people can't get out of their bed. But you know what? They can humble themselves in their heart and pray. But there are times where you ought to get on your knees. There are situations you might want to go on your face before God. But you let the Lord lead you in that. The main thing is that we humble ourselves, our heart attitude, as we come before the Lord. Another important question, I think, is how long should we pray? Should we pray a minute? Should we pray five minutes, ten minutes, an hour? Well, I can't find anything in the Bible that specifically tells us how long we must pray. Now, I know it says pray without ceasing. And that's the idea of a continual attitude of prayer. And you can have that all day, every day, and you ought to have that. But I think there's a great danger when you become a clock watcher. You say, well... I'm going to pray 15 minutes this time and 20 minutes next time and so forth. And you try to pray a certain amount. You know why it's a danger? Because one of two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to grow discouraged. You know why? I'm going to pray 15 minutes. 
Amen. You begin praying. You pray your heart out and look and it's been two and a half minutes. You grow discouraged. But then maybe you're the different person and you get there and you say, I've been, I'm going to go and pray 15 minutes. I've been praying 20 minutes. <clears throat> you know? So there's a danger of growing discouraged and there's a danger of growing proud. Why not start out by saying, listen, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to let it just increase as God leads me as I grow. And I'm going to pray as God guides and directs. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, look to it that you do not try to do all of it. Do not try to be, do too much lest your spirit grow weary. Besides, a good prayer mustn't be too long. Do not draw it out. Prayer ought to be frequent and fervent. I think he's right. You look at the Bible, some of the greatest prayers are short prayers, aren't they? Nehemiah shot up an arrow prayer, right? When he's given this invitation here to present his request. What about uh, when Peter's sinking? If he'd launched into a 15-minute prayer, he'd drown. Would he? What'd he say? Lord, save me. Amen. I answer your prayer. God be glorified. The idea is not to try to hit a certain mark. As noble as that may sound, but to allow yourself to grow. Is it okay to try to grow in your length of prayers? Absolutely. But the idea is don't become proud or discouraged in that. If you're new to prayer, another tip. You might want to try to use the ACTS method, A-C-T-S, where you begin to make your prayer life a little more balanced. A stands for adoration. You spend time adoring God, first of all. C stands for confession, getting things right in your life. T is for thanksgiving, where you thank the Lord. And then S is for supplication, where you pray, you ask for yourself, and you ask for others. A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Why is that helpful? Well, because that way, your prayer list doesn't become like a list of Santa Claus. Boys and girls, some of them will be writing out Santa Claus lists pretty soon. And a lot of that doesn't have anything to do about Thanksgiving, does it? It has about, I want this, I want that. Some people's prayer lists are like this. Oh, Lord, good morning. All right, here's my request for the day. What about spending time to thank you, O oh God, that you are God. Adore Him. Then come clean. Confess any sin in your life so you can get on praying. God. Then thank Him. Lord, thank you for a new day. Thank you for life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for my family. Thank you for blessings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then we come to Lord. I need this. And Lord, my brother needs this. And my sister needs this. Look at ways to incorporate prayer into your daily life. How does the world handle stress? They might get a little ball and they squeeze a ball. Does that help you stress-wise, a stress ball? That's, yeah. Some people turn to a bottle of alcohol. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to pornography. What do you do, Christian? You know you ought to turn to? Turn to the Lord. Use that stress to drive you to your knees. Say, Lord, here I am. And take those things. And look for more ways. Listen, families, those who are boys and girls sit at home, look for ways to incorporate prayer into your family's lives. You're probably already praying at mealtime. Pray for those that are sick. Pray for schoolmates. When you come upon an accident, pray for those people. I mean, literally, just as you're going in the van there or in the car, just, just pray as you go. Maybe you heard about the little boy. Somebody shared, as my five-year-old son and I were headed to McDonald's one day, we passed a car accident. Usually when we see something terrible like that, we say a prayer for those who might be hurt. So I pointed to the accident and said to my son, we should pray. From the back seat, I heard his earnest request. Please, God, don't let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's. Amen. (laughs) 
And it becomes a teaching moment at that point, right? And you can begin to teach them, help them. Read good books on prayer. There are lots of them. I'd be glad to recommend some. Make a simple list, prayer list. What kind of list? Just, just two if you want to start out. Number one, everyday requests. I want to pray for my family every day, my church every day. Pray for your pastor every day. And you put that everyday list together. And then maybe you have some specific days. On Mondays, you pray for the, you pray for the missionaries. On Tuesdays, you pray for this. On Wednesdays, you pray for that. That way you have your daily list that you work through. And then each day you have some additional requests. And that helps you because if you pray for everything every day, you may quit praying altogether. But if you have that everyday list and that other list, I'm going to quickly finish up. Pray for other people. May I say pray especially for missionaries. Pray for other people, especially missionaries. Wesley Duell said this, through prayer, you can accompany any missionary to remote reaches of the earth. Through prayer, you can walk through crowded bazaars. You can minister in steaming jungles. You can feed millions of starving men, women and children hungry for bread for their bodies and for the bread of life. That's an awesome thought, beloved. We can enter on the mission field through our prayers. Pray for other people. And then finally, finally, just pray. Just pray. We can talk about prayer. We can read about prayer. We can prepare for prayer. We can study about prayer. We can read books on prayer. But listen, beloved, none of that takes the place of just pray. Just pray. And keep on praying. And keep on praying. John MacArthur said this and we'll close. Prayer is fitting at any time, in any posture, in any place, under any circumstance, and in any attire. It is to be a total way of life, an open and continual communion with God. And I remind you, as I reminded you last week, beloved, we serve a God who welcomes our prayers. We serve a God who answers our prayers. And we serve a God who blesses us through our prayers. So I simply say today's message for you is this. If somebody asks you, what you preach or preach on? I want you to just tell them this right. He said, pray. Pray. What y'all learn about today? Prayer. What you take up in church today? I need to pray. Well, what action points do you have? I need to pray. What are we going to do when we leave here? Pray. pray. That's the lesson. Pray without ceasing. Heavenly Father, I've tried to help all of us today as we looked at your son's prayer in the garden. Lord Jesus, thank you for your prayer and your submission to your father's will that we can have life, eternal life through you. And Father, I've just offered some suggestions and tips. And Lord, I pray that no one would take these as legalistic rules that they must follow. But just whatever helps them in their prayer life, they would apply it. Whether it's a specific place, whether it's a prayer list, whatever it is. But Lord, most of all, would you burden our hearts as never before that we would just pray. We would just turn to you. Lord, we know that prayer is our declaration of dependence. We need you. We must have you. You must work. You must move. You must do the things. We're helpless without you. Lord, you said apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, burden our hearts as individuals, as families, and as a church like never before in the history of this church. That we would go forward. I mean, every day, Father, every day, go forward. Literally, pray. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for inviting us to pray. Thank you, Father, for answering our prayers. 
And Lord, thank you for blessing us. And Lord, may we just treasure prayer like never before. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 182. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs to share. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. 182 as we stand and sing. And if you'd like to come and pray today, I think it's the most appropriate time to do that. As we stand and sing, 182, what a friend we have in Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Let's stand and sing.